Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Thank you, Ben, for waving at TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings are preparing this time with Nick Mullins, the fourth different starting quarterback um, for this season. And Franchise record. Yeah, you said that's the first time out of all like the quarterback turmoil every year for this franchise. They've never started four until yeah. now. Not not a franchise known for quarterback stability over the 60, what, 63 seasons of yeah. Vikings football in the great state of Minnesota. But that said, they, they've had many seasons, I think it's eight or ten or something, where they've had three, but never four. Yeah. So this will be a first for a franchise that – Again, has not been. You know, it's not been the Packers going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers over the years, or you know Joe Montana to Steve Young. So, yeah, yeah. all that said, this is still uncharted territory for the Vikings. And I mean, it's the guy that they probably would have turned to yep. at Lambeau had he been there, right? Right. Um, but Nick had the back injury, took him out six weeks. He comes back, Josh. Within that time the whole franchise changed between his yeah. back injury and being uh, coming back in that six week span. In that time, Kirk went down, they traded for Dobbs. Dobbs mania takes over the NFL. The NFL's got Dobbs as their Twitter header yeah. page. Yeah. At he, one he, point. Did he bounce Taylor Swift directly from there? I, I don't know. If, he must've. Yeah, yeah. He must've. Right. Cause we were talking about Swift early in October. Yeah. So yeah, he, he must've knocked Swift off the NFL header page and then Dobbs mania crashes back to earth for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, and crashes back to earth because yeah, he's an astronaut. Get that pastronaut. The pastronaut. Or as our landed, as our buddy Mike Rand tweeted, the past astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. He was. <laughs> he had a video about trying to workshop things there, and I'm not sure he actually used any of them. But um, but it, so just that whole six week span really changed things for this franchise, and they go get Dobbs probably in part because Mullins wasn't available. Yep. Now, he comes back to an offense that's really trying to find its footing and the storyline really being like, can they get back to what it looked like, even just a, uh, as, as one of our listeners said, a diet version of yes. this offense? Yes, but. our buddy Joel uh, texted me last weekend and said, uh, if, if you can use the phrase diet Kirk offense... Uh, I will be forever grateful. And I, I saw that. I was like, we could probably work that in. That's pretty good. I mean, that, that, this is probably yeah. the closest thing you'll get to Cousins. So great taste, less filling. Oh, that's beer. But um, it's an old beer commercial. <laughs> Diet Diet Kirk. I like it. It's uh, We could make that a thing. That could catch on. Yeah. So there's, there's got to be some slogan for Diet Soda that makes sense for I'm this. I'm sure there is. I don't know what it would be. but Some old Diet Coke commercial. But <laughs> This at least has a guy that has been in a training camp with this offense before, yeah. which is nice if you're Kevin O'Connell. Um, now he's not the same physical stature that Josh Dobbs is. He's not the same mobility. Nick Mullins is very much just kind of like Kirk. Yeah. And the unassuming <laughs> the name Diet Kirk. physical stature. Um, but obviously with, you know, less accuracy, less uh, uh, experience in the whole thing and just the NFL in general. So this will be Nick Mullins' 18th start. Less goals cash. Fewer uh, Christmas cardigans. Um, I, this, this, though, for Nick Mullins, while it's his 18th start, third different team he's starting for every year he started an NFL team will be turning to him as the third or fourth option yes so he's incredibly used to this yes anyway. I'm trying to think the timing in San Francisco is he obviously in Cleveland I, 
I'm trying to think, has he started a game for an organization that was not employing Kwesi Adolfo Mensa at the time that he started? I, I don't remember the timing of when the starts were with the 49ers. Possibly Kwesi was gone. No, I think he was there because it was it was Kwesi there in 2020. Uh, I'm trying to remember what year he went to Cleveland. Yeah, I can't remember either. It might have been 2020, 2021 for him in Cleveland. So in which case, but 2018 Mullins gets his first start in San Francisco when Kwesi's there. Yeah. And then eventually starts in 2021 for him in Cleveland when he was assistant GM there. Um, and then Quasey's turning to him. Kevin O'Connell's turning to him now. What do you make of this decision? Uh, it's hard to parse this as anything more than just we've tried all of our other yeah. options. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, I, I think this probably would have been the way they'd gone. I mean, this was the guy they brought in in training camp last year when they felt not great about their backup quarterback options. I think he obviously would have been the starter yeah. had he not been hurt when Kirk was injured in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think it's that they've tried them all. Um, I was in the process, and I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but Kurt Warner, uh, former NFL I mean, Hall of Fame NFL quarterback who does a lot of uh, YouTube kind of analysis stuff now, I was just watching a video. He, he was basically saying – this didn't feel like a benchable performance to me. He was pointing out some of the route concepts and protection breaking down around him. And, and Kevin O'Connell's alluded to some of those things that they need to, to be better around him too. But, I mean, at some point, you can't just keep saying, well, we've got to all be better around him. You can't keep trotting people back out there when you're trying to go to the playoffs. They were going to have a shorter leash with him coming into the, the Raiders game and I think ultimately you say you, we have to try something yeah. and try to get back in some kind of rhythm with the offense the way they have planned for it to look. And we can debate should it change significantly with Dobbs or is that not feasible? I, I tend to think it's not terribly feasible. I also think this staff believes in this offense as it has been schemed up. And they have reason to – point to that where they've had a lot of success with this group obviously with Kirk Cousins a quarterback but I think there is a, a kind of affinity for that scheme and, and Mullins probably allows them to get closer to that than they maybe would with anybody else Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Yeah, we've talked about the the flexibility of this coaching staff um, as it pertains to like if they would have drafted an Anthony Richardson or yeah. something like that. But that's when you've got a summer to yeah. install an offense. I mean, that's Andy Reid sort of stuff with, oh, we've had Alex Smith, but now we have Patrick Mahomes. We're going to do what he does. Yeah. That's it, different. It, but you, that's when you have a summer to yes. install this yes. stuff. It's different when you get a guy mid-season. You don't have time to train 10 other guys to, hey, this is how we run read option. Like Alexander, we Gosh, talked about yeah. him on the post game, but yeah. like Alexander Madison didn't look like a running back who was used to the quarterback trying to take the ball from him. Yeah. Um, and he probably was, just hasn't had it happen. Yeah. Cause he hasn't every time he's been here since 2019, he got drafted. Yeah. Or, um, it's been a non mobile quarterback that just never runs a zone read. Right. And 
it just looks so awkward. So I guess with this point of going back to Mullins, it's not just, I, I would think it's not just Kevin O'Connell saying, this is my system. We need to yeah. run it this way. It's, this is what everyone's just trained to do. We right. need to go back yes. to what they're comfortable at. Yes. I mean, there, there just isn't enough time during a season to blow everything up. And, and, and you have coaches, I think, that would say, especially the ones that were around before 2011 when all of the CBA stuff shortened the off-seasons, you would have coaches that would tell you, I wish we had more time in the off-season. I wish we had players here for more of the summer or more of the spring, probably in that case. That's where the change has been, and I wish we could practice longer. I mean, all of the changes that have come about as part of the CBAs, a lot of coaches don't like them. So if you would have coaches that would say, I wish I had more time to develop my quarterbacks. I mean, I remember hearing Mike McCarthy talk about this, where it's, you know, all of that time he had with Aaron Rodgers in those three years was a big part of why Rodgers came in ready to go and ultimately became what he became. So if you don't have that and you don't even have what you would normally use, it's just, it's not feasible during a season to do it. So I I think it, yeah I mean we both said it we're saying it now it would look different it's just not terribly realistic to blow things up get timing down with linemen receivers running backs I mean all this stuff is supposed to happen on a schedule you have eleven people trying to do a job that's incredibly precise and has to happen under an incredible amount of pressure yeah. so if that stuff doesn't work it's gonna look sloppy and you just don't have the time to ensure that it doesn't look sloppy yeah Kevin O'Connell said after Sunday's game you know we're a week-to-week offense in terms of just who's available how we're going to coach it um that's obviously this week too because um Alexander Madison has not practiced Wednesday Thursday this week Brian O'Neill has not practiced at all so um they might have a backup right tackle in there on top of Nick Mullins the fourth starting quarterback on top of maybe Ty Chandler starting at at running back Um, this could be and the good news is Justin Jefferson seems like he's going to play. He says he's going to play. He's been practicing, which would trend that way. So, um, they could have him, they could have the full complement in terms of the passing game. Um, but trying to install uh, or trying to keep that running game going without Madison, who was running well, that's going to be difficult. And the whole week to week nature of this offense, it's going to be hard to predict what's going to happen in this game or to evaluate much of anything, considering that. Mullins, I don't know how many practice reps he's had throwing to Justin Jefferson. I don't know how many practice reps Garrett Bradbury's had to snapping to Nick Mullins. Um, They have tried to switch out the guys, the linemen, the first and second stringers in the summer to prepare for events like this more. But um, it is just going to be really difficult to judge this. And also, Ben, when we do the whole prediction thing of knowing what the heck's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's just really hard to say. I mean, and then, you know, on the other side of it, the Browns, Bengals have Jake Browning, uh, former Vikings training camp all-time quarterback practice hero from 2021. COVID practice hero. COVID practice hero (laughs) doused with uh, celebratory, I think it was water bottle shower after that practice when he had to be the only guy they had because everybody else was in the COVID protocol. He has looked pretty good the last couple of weeks in Cincinnati, but again, backup quarterback, it's not Joe Burrow, has a, a very talented offense around him. A lot of talented skill position players headlined by a former LSU receiver who does the gritty. I mean, there are a lot of similarities between these teams and the boat they are in. They are uh, both head coached by former Rams offensive coordinators who have defensive 
coordinators that are well thought of and like to use simulated pressures and all those sorts of things. So a very <clears throat> similar trajectory to these teams and the way they're built and some of the things they're going through this season yeah, and their Zach, records. Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, talked about how I remember going up against Flores' defense when he was a Rams assistant with the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, it would have been – I. I Guess 18. the Rams Patriots one, yeah, right? Yeah, the one where they held them three points. The defensive struggle. That was what got Brian Flores a coaching job, yeah. right? Yep. Um, with the Dolphins. So, um, yeah, the, the, this team's the, the coaches have history, but a lot of similarities, as you mentioned, with a smart coaching staff in Cincinnati trying to get the most out of a skilled, a talented skill group, but just yeah. injuries decimated at quarterback. And um, I don't know what to expect out of a Bengals defense that has a lot of talent, but has also been just shredded at times this yeah. season. They've had some ups and downs. They're coming off a good game against Gardner Minshew and the Colts. How much can you really glean from that? Uh, I do love me some Gardner Minshew, but boy, is he just not a consistent. He's got some dobs in him. Yeah. Where he's, he's just ride the wave. Just has moments can be like, whoa, this guy's amazing. Like he had a great Minshew had a great game against the Browns. I think it was earlier this season where they scored like a hundred points. Yeah. Uh, but it's just been garbage ever since. So I don't know how much you can take away from the Bengals and say, boy, that's going to be a great defense. But if he's if it's uh, – what's their rusher? Trey Hendrickson? Yes. If it's him against David Questenberry. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hendrickson's had a good, an awfully good year. Yeah. So uh, Hendrickson's, I think he's got like, what, 13 and a half yeah. sacks tied with Hunter on the year. Um, they've got some talent in that, in that Cincinnati front. It's just collectively the Vikings defense has been playing much better than the Bengals defense yeah. has. Um, and when you've got Brian Flores in this defense playing as well as they have, I don't know who I'm going to pick in this game. I don't know either. I mean, I, I've sort of thought the Bengals simply because there's a little more – Jake Browning's had a little more time with this offense and yeah. has, has been there. I mean, really, I guess was here. I'd forgotten this. The Bengals signed him off the Vikings practice squad before 2021. I was talking to somebody this week about this and Mike Zimmer wanted to keep Browning coming out of that camp when Browning was I mean he'd kind of come back to earth but had that stretch there where they had the night practice and then I think had a couple of decent moments in the preseason Zimmer wanted to keep him uh that did not happen because Kellen Mond was going to be on the roster and then they had Sean Mannion as the other backup so there was no room for Browning to wow. stay on the active roster which adds another little bit of color to the not particularly comments at the end of the season. Zim was not a fan of that Kellen Mond pick, but that Kellen Mond pick is part of the reason why Jake Browning is in Cincinnati, and who knows if Jake Browning stays through Kevin O'Connell, but he went directly from here to Cincinnati and now is facing the Vikings this week. I have been thinking I would pick the Bengals because he has shown it with this offense a little more than Nick Mullins has had the opportunity to do there. It's a team that doesn't blitz a ton, but Lou Anaruma, the, the defensive coordinator there, has been well thought of and does a lot of the stuff the Vikings do with five-man fronts, a lot of sim pressure stuff. You know, showing blitzes probably more often than bringing them, which is different than Flores, but it provides a test for a protection group that may not have O'Neal, may not have Madison, has a new quarterback trying to get things sorted out. I mean, obviously a veteran quarterback that – has been here for a couple of years, but I I think it's a tough test. Yeah. I I may end up reversing my pick and picking the Vikings by the end of the week here, but I think it's a a challenge for the Vikings heading into this one. 
Yeah, Jamar Chase is dealing with an ankle injury, but I would assume he's going to be ready to play this game. They've got Joe Mixon still. T. Higgins is back for them in the lineup. Um, and basically, everybody but Joe Burrow. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of weapons for them. So this is. I don't know how much you can glean from the Vikings defense either in the shutout in Vegas, considering how bad Aiden O'Connell was. And I don't know how Devontae Adams does it because, um, yeah, it was just really bad, I thought, the the quarterback play there from Vegas. So, and again, I don't know how much of a challenge it'll be either against Jake Browning because <laughs> Brian Flores has a way of making his coverage uh, unnecessary with the yeah. way they blitz, yeah. with the way they bring pressure. Yeah. It's just like, well, you can have – uh, some great receivers, but we're just going to overload your mediocre quarterback. Yep. It doesn't matter if Devontae Adams is on the outside. So uh, it'll just be fascinating to see how that one ends up playing out. But when you've got Ivan Pace, who's NFC Defensive Player of the Week, you've got uh, Metellus, Bynum, all the guys that seem to be playing really at the top of their games right now in this defense. Yeah. Oddly enough, that is the Vikings' strength going into every the last four games here of this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was – pretty interesting and I think we talked about it a little bit on Sunday but Kevin O'Connell after the game I mean the Vikings always put his post-game speech online and, and he he said something in there about you have to play to the strength of your roster as it's currently constituted and he basically talked about this he said this is a championship defense and I can call games knowing that I can trust this group which may explain some of the reasons you've seen him I, I think be a little more conservative where it's Probably I don't have my quarterback that I built this thing around that I trust, and I do have a defense that if I punt it back can probably make a stop. So I mean there is, <clears throat> I think a a difference in the way they're going about it. You can argue is has he gone too conservative? I think at times, but I do think that is what is driving the decisions he's making there. And yeah, it it is a defense first team right now I mean you mentioned the the Flores stuff about coverages and we're not gonna have to worry about it because you're not going to come downfield it has been interesting talking to a few players in the locker room at times this season where it's like you know, initially they would sort of ask well what about this route combination or this area of the field and there's a little bit of just like we're not going to worry about it because we think we're going to get home in time yeah. I mean even some of the <clears throat> I think Cody Alexander did a, a pretty good breakdown of some of the hot coverage stuff that they play behind it with all of the zones behind the the rushes where you you typically think you'd see man coverages if you're going to bring six because you don't have enough people to cover every zone so there's times where they kind of just say you know we're, we're going to cover you know go two deep three under or three deep two under and cover what you can and and have concepts to drive on those things but it's not as um, thorough of a zone coverage as you might see in other things. It's we're going to bet that we're going to get home yeah. and you're not going to be able to have time to throw downfield and we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's 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 typically not how you see coaches who want to have control over everything and they're such control freaks yeah. and want to prepare for every scenario and situation and have their guys prepared for everything. It, it speaks to Flores as kind of um, – you know, uh, process in the chaos, I guess, of just like there's some stuff where he's clearly the coaching staff is clearly willing to just say, ah, you know, we're going to bank on us being strong enough in this one area to not have to worry about a weakness in another area. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, even that Kevin O'Connell, and I think we've talked about it, and 
that he would sort of say, I'm going to, you know, I'm coming off a division title, but yeah. we're going to ride with this with a lot of young players. And it obviously has worked, but there's, I think, a fair amount of trust in Flores. I don't know that he would do that with just anybody, but there's also a, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance here kind of thing. And it's paid off, yeah. certainly in a year where, I mean, you, you think about if they had the type of defensive performance they had last year and the type of kind of placid defense that they had with Ed Donatel and the injuries that they've had, they're dead in the water. I mean, because when they were winning games last year, they were winning 34 to 31 a lot of the time. If you're giving up 31 points with your offense doing what it's doing now, it's over. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get blown out in a lot of those games. So this defense really has kept them afloat, and it's a lot of the reason they're sitting in playoff position with four to four weeks to go. Is Flores um, assistant coach of the year? Is that an official award that we give it's an now? AP one. Yeah, I suppose. So AP every year is given out. Yeah. AP, but it generally goes and has in the past gone to an offensive coach of a defensive good team. So it's yeah. been Brian Dable yeah. of Sean McDermott's Bills. It's been Pat Shermer of Mike Zimmer's Bite Vikings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so it, it typically doesn't – it's almost like the – an offensive player of the year award where yeah. it goes to like just the guy who didn't, you know, get MVP or the top offensive player or whatever. So I don't know when the last time I went to a defensive coach was, Yeah, I should probably know that, but it's an award that goes out every year and is one that I don't know if he's got a ton of competitors for this year that I, that stand out to me anyway. No, I, I would think he'd be a, a top candidate for that because there's probably a bias towards offensive coaches, but this is a guy that certainly has a lot of name recognition, certainly has been a known quantity for a long time. So it's something where voters around the country are going to know his name, will have seen what he did in New England, certainly will have covered uh, the things that have happened the last couple of years with Miami and the lawsuit and going to Pittsburgh and then coming here. And then he's getting a lot of attention, rightly so, for this defense. I'm, I'm just trying to think of other – kind of defensive coaches oh D'Amico Ryan's won it last year actually it's been defensive coaches the last two years Dan Quinn 2021 okay D'Amico Ryan's last year uh Vic Fangio in 2018 yeah Wade Phillips in 2015 when the Broncos won the Super Bowl yeah so a lot of former head coaches there that have gone back to being coordinators in in the case of Quinn uh, Wade Phillips and what was the other one D'Amico Ryan's Ryan's Todd Bowles won in 2014 yep yep Um, Cardinals defensive coordinator. Yep, before going to the Bucks. Um, so it's yeah they've I won it before. Think he'd be a candidate. I'm trying to think of other candidates this year, but he's got as much of a, a claim as anybody. Just considering what the personnel was, yeah. considering yep. how unheralded almost everybody is in this defense, and frankly, how many how many Pro Bowls do you think this defense even has? And that, that's not to yeah. say how many are they worthy of. It means how many will the realistically voting public yeah. give them? And I don't think it's Daniel Hunter. I think it's Daniel Hunter and maybe Harrison Smith gets in on reputation. I don't think that the way he has played this year would merit that. But, you know, sometimes he gets in based on it's a, it's a name that people know and the defense has been good and he's part of that defense. So yeah. kind of by association, I could see that happening. Other than that, like, who's going to have the statistics? 
and it's not all statistics, but yeah, I mean, to your point, it's maybe Jordan Hicks if he would have stayed healthy. Yeah, yeah, but it's one of those things where the the sum of the parts or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I mean, Josh Metellus, I think you would you could make a good case for what that position. What position <laughs> is the question? Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be safety, and you're not going to look at him and probably yeah. see the the top line stats that people make a lot of these decisions off of, but. Uh, playing a, an awfully unique role, I mean, maybe an unprecedented role in the NFL right now, or at least an unparalleled role. Yeah. Um, you could make a case for that, but realistically, I don't think voters are going to put him in. So it's probably Daniil Hunter, and then you know maybe you get one more as a kind of a yeah like a Harrison Smith on reputation. Yeah, maybe. I do wonder if if enough voters will jump on like an Ivan Pace just because he's new and a rookie, and is if he makes enough plays in this next game, yeah. I suppose the Pro Bowl voting's coming up in terms of a deadline. So yep. I think it's December 29th is when players and coaches vote. So they've got two more games before then. So we'll see. But yeah, I just don't think we're going to see many of them in Orlando where no. the game is now. Um, all right. Well, like football. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what they do. They don't even do a game anymore. No. It's just all the events uh, moving on. For this. Brady talking about like they should do former players versus current players with flag football or something i would see i would watch that. i mean he's because he just said something about like if you give me randy moss and, and chad otrosenko we'll put off 35 tomorrow like yeah i'd totally watch that i would i would so I nobody would, gets hurt but i would watch that more than i would watch anything the pro bowl is trying 100%. to do over the last 10 years yeah that would because you would have a lot of these players that would i mean think about in any other sport the you know jordan versus lebron mm. and it's like we just argue about it endlessly because there's no way to settle it and this isn't really a way to settle it either but it at least would be fun and you'd have a lot of these former players that would be pretty fired up to get back out and compete and probably try to prove something i don't know it'd be entertaining it would be just for the smack talk too of you know if it's like a jalen ramsey talking trash to a tom brady or whatever you know or a terrell owens or randy moss from you know (laughs) there's probably a limit to this i mean you probably can't put too many guys out there that are 56 years old but There'd be a number of injuries. I, I, I imagine I could see some some hips needing to be replaced after <laughs> after a game like. I mean, that. if they gave me a call, would I show up? No one could play. Oh, Nick Mullins getting asked about Brett Favre. Yes. I, I, I was I, now Nick Mullins. I guess has a history with Favre. I was informed after the fact that Favre did talk to him. Or no, Mullins Southern talked Miss about to, work. The, to Southern Miss. Yeah. I guess when Mullins was in the starting lineup for San Francisco, there was a whole thing about Favre reaching out to him. Yeah. And, you know, so I guess they, it's legitimate. It's not just hey, you went to the same college, talk about it. But some things have changed since yeah. Nick Mullins last. Yeah, it's, it's probably <laughs> he he was careful in the way he talked about Brett Favre. Yeah, in terms of like appreciate his support. I I don't think he ever used the words great guy. So there was not much talk about the off the field or extracurriculars with him. But no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wes Phillips talking yesterday about how you can talk all these different sports with Mullins, and he's like a big sports fan. And um, Yeah, I did not get asked about volleyball <laughs> today. All right. So. Well, uh, we will talk to you guys next time from Cincinnati. Before be- we get into any more trouble, I believe it's we ca- should go. <laughs> I believe it's called Paycor Stadium now. Stupid. Not Paul, Paul Brown. It's Paul Brown Stadium. Um, it's still Twitter. It's still the Metrodome. Come on. The Mall of America Field? At no. The, at the H H H 
Uh, Metrodome. Yeah, no, it's still the Metrodome. <laughs> Sorry, Leslie Fraser, it's still the Metrodome. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com.